Okay, anybody home? Hello. Hello, Dr. Sherry? Yes, good evening. Good, yes, good morning for me. <laughs> okay, good morning, good evening, wherever you are, right? Yes, Cambodia. So this is Jeff Sikarik. I'm back with podcast number three. Today I'll be talking to Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Dr. Sherry is a osteopathic medical doctor, board certified in three specialties. She is the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, a medical clinic near Cleveland, Ohio, my birthplace. So Dr. Tenpenny has invested nearly 20 years and more than 40,000 hours documenting and exposing the problems associated with vaccines. As an internationally known speaker and author, her many articles have been translated into at least 15 languages. <clears throat> She's a frequent guest on radio and TV to share her knowledge and educate parents on why they should just say no to vaccines. She's also a good, concise writer on Twitter, which is where I've become affiliated and uh, or, uh, familiar with your work. So I'm aware of how things are going here in Cambodia on the ground, kind of what the overall feeling is, but I haven't been back in the States for a while. So can you give me an idea, Dr. Sherry, of what the overall feeling is where you're at? About the, about the uh, pandemic, about um, what is there specific that you want or just sort of at a 30,000-foot view? When you walk out your front door in the morning, mm -hmm. what is, what's the feeling that you get from the public in general? Is everybody wearing a mask? Are people, generally speaking, complying with these orders? I think that's almost like a double bell curve. On the one side, I feel that there's a lot of fear and that people are just kind of like sheep and they're just doing what they're told and standing in line and wearing their mask and they won't look, eye, there's very little eye contact with people when, when you're in stores. If you don't happen to have a mask on, people look at you like you're, you know, typhoid Mary or something. Mm. And they, it's just, uh, it's, that's on the one end of the curve. It's like, you know, people are very fearful, very compliant. They're sure if they get this virus, they're, uh, they're going to um, have a, they're going to die. And then at the other side, which is the growing side, I believe that there's more people who are standing up and resisting against the governors in their states and these continual lockdowns for no reason. When you actually look at the statistics of the death rate and the infection rate, and, and now they're wanting to do all this door-to-door -door testing and it's, I think that people, there's a, that, that side is growing. Like, for example, last um, Saturday, two days ago, here in, I live in, you know, like you said, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Ohio had, has 88 counties, and there was an 88-county protest here of people, you know, against Governor DeWine and are incredibly... Mm. Um, Gosh, I want to say nice things, <laughs> but the person who's head of our public health department here in the state of Ohio, Amy Acton, I right. can't find a single nice word to say about her. So I guess I'll just leave it at her at her name. Right. And um, and they were, were protesting against just the incredibly stupid decisions that they're making that change from day to day to day. There was actually a bill that was introduced and late at night on Thursday night. It, it was passed by the House. I, I didn't get time to check today to see if it was passed by the Senate that they actually were trying to um, roll back any decision that she had made about the state of Ohio, completely negate it, and any decision that she makes going forward, any uh, timeframes last a, a, only for two weeks. And if anything was going to be past two weeks, it had to be voted on by the entire legislature. 
Mm. And so trying to clip the wings of these non-elected appointed officials um, who are, I think are drunk with power. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I think it's, and I keep up, obviously, because I live here, I keep a pretty close tab on what's going on in Ohio, but I have seen protests and heard about things like this all across the country. So I think there's a growing unrest, just, you know, and there's a complete distrust of the mainstream media and the information that's coming down from the governors in a lot of the states. And people are, have just, there's a growing surge over there that people have just had it. They're tired of, of what these rules are and they're, they're, they wanna see it changed. Yeah, see there over here, we're not, we're not really at that point because the government here hasn't pushed that hard. It's a small country. Um, people are, of course, there's no alternative media. So there's that end of it. They just, all they know is what government tells them. However, mm -hmm. the benefit is people aren't advanced enough, generally speaking, to even be able to buy into the nonsense. Like I live in a town three hours from the Capitol. Yes, you do see people walking around with masks on, but after a few weeks of that, people really started to get the idea that there's nothing to this and you know they're not practicing social distancing, they're not doing anything anymore. So that's the good news. Um, on your, yeah, on your end, you know, I do see some good things. I see, of course, in Germany, what's going on over there. I'm just getting people sending me video clips of massive protests. What worries me or concerns me is, do people protest, get all excited about the protest, and it's kind of like going to a good movie or a good speech? Feels really good while you're doing it, but doesn't fundamentally change anything. That's my concern. Now, hopefully that's, that's not the case. But are you seeing any of this protest bleed over into day-to-day -day life? Well, it certainly has changed some things here in Ohio. And I think it's starting to change some things in California, which is the other big protest state. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't speak for the, well, in Michigan. I mean, it really changed in Michigan. I mean, they mm -hmm. came after that governor big time and um, up there. And so I do see it making some differences. And I think it's getting to the point where, where people are, are taking to the streets and are going to, and, um, are going to, to police stations and educating their police and their first responders. And it's mm -hmm. what's going to make the biggest difference is if the police and the sheriffs here basically take the side of the people. And um, I, heard, I heard a video yesterday of, um, I was a police officer, I believe from San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly where he was standing was someplace out in the public and somebody was recording him, you know, cause of course anyone with a phone these days is a citizen journal journalist. So, you know, mm -hmm. you can record and upload anything. And he was saying how ridiculous it was that, you know, Walmart was open, but your small businesses have to die. Right. And, and, and we, and every, and it's, it's not okay to go to church, but it's okay to have abortion clinics open. It's okay. It's not okay to um, to go to the grocery store unless you have masks and gloves. But if you want to drive by and just show your support by staying in your car and honking your horn 
that's not allowed. You can't go to a church parking lot and ha- and stand out in the parking lot and let the the sermon be you know read to you or, or given to you through your car radio. That's not allowed. And he said, <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. And I think we're having enough of it. I mean, I I took I, be- I took this job because I wanted to defend the public and the people. And what they're making us do is these silly, changeable every single day coming down from the bureaucracy. So if we can mobilize the police force. In, in all the cities and local towns, and for sure the sheriff, because, you know, as you know, the sheriff in the county is the highest law of the land. And we can get some very strong sheriffs who say, nope, we're not, we're standing on the Constitution, we're standing on First Amendment rights, we're standing on the right to, to congregate, we're standing on the right to practice our religion, we're not giving up our guns, we're hold, stand, holding on to our Second Amendment rights. And, and just as these people come forward and do whatever, open their businesses and do what they're going to do, um, the police just sort of stand down. They stand there and watch it. Make sure that nobody's doing anything like, you know, breaking windows or doing anything like that. But, you know, the governor made this decision that on the 15th, um, it was okay for restaurants to open uh, if you had an outside place to sit. And it's been extraordinarily cold here. It's like Mm. been in the 40s. It's been very cold. And Mm -hmm. so it's um, so that's okay. And one week later, no data, no science, no anything other than drunk with power. And another week goes by, then it'll be okay for you to open your inside restaurants, but you can't go into them. You have to call ahead and someone will bring out a little buzzer to your car and you can sit and wait in your car until they call you. So you can come to your socially distanced table where you can sit down maybe with the person you came to dinner with. Now I'm kind of trying to figure out how they're going to make this happen. You go into a restaurant and maybe you have the, the tables six feet apart. But, you know, if you're, if you're there with your spouse or a friend, they're across the table from you. That's not six feet. I mean, are you going to go to dinner no, or lunch with somebody? It's a friend and they got to sit at a different table from you. No, <laughs> that's where you make that's, this work. No, that's where you got it wrong. Have you seen the photos uh, coming out of China on, on what they're doing with the schools over there? There's your model right there. They've got the kids lined up and they're next to each other. They're, they're within three feet of each other, but they've all got the face shield on and the mask. And, you know, when you go through one of the superstores, they've got that uh, plastic shield in front of you. They've got all three going. So, so the kids are surrounded by the, the, uh, the plastic shield. They've got a shield over their face and the mask, and they're spraying them down before they get into class. But now you're talking, but I'm talking about a restaurant where you're going to eat. You can't like have a mask yeah. on and eat, right? Watch them do it. They're, they're going to try it. <laughs> oh, what has happened? I can't, you know, I can't get my head around this. I mean, yeah, so what's so here's the here's a question. What scares you more? The what I see is a phony disease, unless I'm misguided, based on the numbers and based on yeah, just looking at what a slew of doctors have to say. It's yeah. it's hard to get people that are going to risk their reputation that have been practicing medicine for years to say, yeah, you, you know, this thing is not airborne. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to get them to do that. So I look at this as a phony disease based on that, the numbers and some other factors, just the fact that I'm not walking down the street. I know a lot of people, I mean, across the world, I know a lot of people in Cambodia. I know a lot of people in Vietnam and I still, after what, however much, two months or whatever it's been, I haven't met a single person that was sick, not one. And I don't know anybody that knows anybody that was sick. Do you? I do. 
Mm-hmm. I, I do. Um, it was actually my physician's assistant's husband. Mm-hmm. And her son, who is a professional Irish dancer, he was ranked uh, number one and num- between number one and number six for three years in a row at, at, the, at the world competitive dancing competitions for Irish dance. And mm-hmm. he's, he's been in river dance and he did a big tour in China and he came home and he had a fever and he was a little bit sick and he was tested and he was positive. And so they quarantined mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. um, Sandy, my physician assistant, um, did not get sick at all, but her husband was quite sick. And okay, this is in Ireland? This no, is in this Ireland? No, it's in here, Cleveland. He's, mm, an, okay. he's an Irish dancer, you know, per, you know mm-hmm. I, does Irish dance, and now he does modern dance and things like that. Mm-hmm. He, he goes on, he, he dances with river dance and things. So he was, they were, they were quarantined, and it took Billy, her husband, a while to get better. And so, um, but... I mean, nobody's been like on a ventilator. Nobody's been, I've not known anybody who's been hospitalized. I've known okay, people so the, that, have, that have had like bad bronchitis, but I've not known anybody yeah, who's so been this, hospitalized. So this, this is the first I've heard of a younger person, an athlete who's probably in pretty good health of, of testing positive for the symptoms. But, you know, but like, wasn't sick. I, I wasn't sick. Yeah. He had a little bit of a I, fever and a little bit of a cough. And is that, how much truth is there in the idea that they've never isolated this alleged virus and the idea that a virus is nothing more than your body's attempt to rid itself of environmental poisons? Well, I really like the exosome theory a lot. And I've had conversations with, um, with Dr. Andy about it, Dr. Andy Kaufman about it. And Mm -hmm. I, I haven't, had the time to really dig down into the medical literature. But what I like about the exosome theory is that it's relatively new science. I mean, I ask him like, how long has this been, you know, this whole presumption and this being a mitochondrial disease, all these things, how long has this been kind of in the medical literature? And he said, probably just in the last 30 years. Well, you know, as science goes, that's new science. Because they right. say that it, from the time something is actually discovered until it's actually woven into the medical, um, the medical profession is actually like boots on the ground is used, can take seven to 10 years. And so, and I've right. read given the of, current, I've, I've read given the current circumstance. Well, yeah, because no. they're, well, go ahead. It, sorry. For anything, you know, you bring in a new technology or a new blood test, or how long does it take before that becomes standard of care? Seven to 10 years. And so if exosome Mm -hmm. theory and this whole thing about, you know, viral detox or this detoxification process that we are labeling labeling viruses is new science and it's only been around 30 years. Well, that's, you know, only four generations. It's and it's 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 a minority opinion standing up against huge resistance. It's been around for a long time about the viral theory. Right. So, but it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, if everything, if everything in our bodies are there for a reason and everything Mm -hmm. on this planet is, is here for a purpose, why would there Mm -hmm. be viruses and bacteria that are sitting around lurking around, just waiting to pounce on us and make us sick, right? (laughs) The bottom line is it it doesn't make any sense. If you look at it, if you look at it from the layman's point of view, Thomas Cowan, MD, of course, it tells you a lot whose videos they're willing to take down right away. They got rid of him fast, but you can find it on BitChute. So this Thomas Cowan, MD, who's written a couple of good books. I've got Thomas. a stack of stuff. Yep. Yeah. So I've got a stack of stuff to read. His is one of them. He makes a real compelling case in just about 10 minutes that 
disease, just generally speaking, comes from poisoning of some sort. So your, your body is going through a process of, of cleansing. And then what they've done is called your body's natural reaction to an, an environmental stimulus. They've called that COVID. They've called that a disease. That would not surprise me at all. And that would explain why nobody's sick. And that's why when, when we originally talked on Twitter, what makes me nervous is the fact that uh, uh, the CDC and Bill Gates are already predicting a pandemic number two mm -hmm. of this year. They're going to need to come up with something, right, when the fall comes. Because people, it's hard to fool people on a spiritual it, it's hard to fool people twice with the same thing yeah right it's like so well, i think when, fool me once, yeah, when they turn the 5g once. on <laughs> fool me once, shame, fool me once shame on you fool me twice ain't gonna happen <laughs> you know right right they're gonna so when they turn the 5g on mm -hmm. when they have people locked up until winter if they do mm -hmm. when they uh if they take away the food and put you in the government food line for gmo food if they start administ administering phony tests that actually have the virus in it, then you combine all of that. Now, when you come back in October, that would explain how they're going to get some, be able to push the numbers up. That's what makes me nervous. Well, I feel like, and I've said this for a while now, that when I, there's, I have several large concerns. And one of the, those concerns is that they've created a template now that anytime they want us to dance, they can do it. It's like you're standing right. on a piece of sheet metal and there's like electrical mm -hmm. wires attached to it. And anytime mm -hmm. they want to watch you dance, they just turn on the electricity on the metal and everybody dances. And so it's like, mm -hmm. stay home. Oh, it's going to be the worst flu season ever. Put your mask on, shut down the restaurants again. Can't go get your hair cut. I mean, stop, just stop, mm -hmm. stop, stop. And that they've created mm -hmm. this template that any end, because so many people have bought into it, that um, mm -hmm. that it's they're they're just going to jump. And I've seen uh, there was an article. Let me see. I think it was it may have been in Forbes. Um, don't don't hold me to that. But it was a really good article. And the title of the article, it will never be the same. And it goes through this entire layout of all of these different things that they're going to do, why and how. It's kind of a creepy article, actually. And but it lays it out pretty much in plain light that, you know, we'll have all these little we'll get this will become the new normal that people will be, you know, in and out of their homes and used to masks on, masks off. And and now it's time to lock down and oh, we'll easily go back out and that people will psychologically be conditioned to that. I have a, that's right. one of my big concerns. My one of my other mm -hmm. big concerns is that is this whole thing with this vaccine that they're developing. And how many people are are wanting to just run right out and roll up their sleeves and they have no idea what they're what they're asking for. I mean this messenger mm -hmm. RNA vaccine that they're wanting to develop has never been given to human beings before. Every time it's been tested in animals, the animals have have gotten horribly sick or died when they've been re-exposed mm -hmm. to the wild virus. Well, because they're not because they're they're doing all of this closing up and and um, self self um, sheltering and this social distancing was just a was just a psyop man. I mean, just that phrase itself is just a psyop. They're not allowing right. 
any of the viruses in circulation to develop any level of natural herd immunity. And when anywhere is between 80, 86 or upwards of those people that people that are exposed to the virus and actually get sick, either get exposed to it and have are asymptomatic because it doesn't make them sick. It's just they're healthy. It doesn't make them sick. Or they have such mm -hmm. mild illness that they don't even seek medical care. If that's 86% or higher, then that means that that virus is out there in circulation and it's like attenuating itself by, you know, other people actually having the illness. It's like kind of how the flu season goes away. And so they're mm -hmm. not allowing that to happen. And yet they're wanting to ramp up this whole vaccine thing with an experimental vaccine that will be developed under the PREP Act. And under the PREP Act, it will have absolutely zero liability unless if people are harmed, you can convince the U.S. Attorney General it was done under willful misconduct. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, not going to happen. happen. Yeah. So, so now we know, you look back over the course of the past 20 years or so, now we know, you, and you look at the, the fake, the, the high rate of... Uh, uh, false positives coming back with these tests. Now we know why they gave us cell phones, internet, and the rest of it. Everybody's positive. Everybody's positive for Corona. Your test is going to say whatever they want it to say. De facto, if you're somebody that's speaking out, let's say on Twitter, and you've, you've put in some keywords that they don't like that AI comes back and says, well, that, that's, that's one right there to look out for, they very well could come knocking on your door within seconds, give you the phony test and cart you off to a quarantine. This is where all of this is going with this HR 6666. So I have to wonder, is this why they gave us technology all along? It could have been. I don't know. I know somebody who, I, I, it was quite a, while, quite a few years ago, I met this person at a conference and they worked for the Bush library bush foundation in, in texas and they said it was the weirdest job ever and that most people didn't stay there for a very long period of time because at, when you walked in the door the entire day and everything that you did on your job was as though it was already 20 years in the future and they had mm -hmm. all these things planned out and it was like you were in a time warp and then when you left to go home at night you were back in whatever year it was and you couldn't you couldn't talk to anybody about your job because of confidentiality yeah. things and um and it was just it was kind of like just messed with your head and and if you read that if you go to that website it's uh, intelligence.weforum.org are you familiar with that site no i haven't been on it well no. it's intelligence dot we forum w e f o r u m dot org um you mm -hmm. set up an account with them. It's a free site. You register with them. And then you go back in and you look at, watch the little four minute video at the top. And then you scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll all down the page. And it tells you that this is something they've been working on for 50 years. And this whole COVID thing was planned, this pandemic and, and all of the, the, the multi, vaccinating every single person in the world, all the AI that's involved with it. And it covers every industry, every country. Um, all the 17 uh, sustainable development goals out of the UN, all of that is all on that site and how it's all interwoven. Mm. It's, I've seen a lot of kind of creepy things in my day because I've been doing this vaccine stuff for a long time. And mm -hmm. um, 
this was disturbing. It took me a couple of days to kind of go, wow, <laughs> you know, this is what we're fighting is really powers and principalities. It's really, you know, beyond fighting just, um, you, you know, the nefarious people on this planet. I mean, this is a, this is a you controlled can, thing they've been planning a long time. You can bet on it. Did you read the Rockefeller document? You probably read that, the 2010 document. Um, probably, probably. Lockstep. It's called lockstep. It basically breaks down the entire thing. So this is a 2010. They, they've been planning this for a long time. Then you look at the, uh, if you've seen the video to the opening 2012 Olympic Games. Yes. Oh. They just basically, Wasn't that creepy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's obvious that you're dealing with, you know, it's hard to get the world to agree on anything, but, but that, when, when I went back, uh, when I go back and think about when 9-11 happened, I immediately wondered, hmm, you know, you, you got all these countries that are, it's hard to get them to agree, agree on anything. And yet somehow, just a couple of weeks after this event, they've all passed their same version of the Patriot Act. I get that same feeling when I look around at all these governors coming through with these, these absurd, senseless orders it's hard to get people to act like that unless there's an overarching hand that already tells you that it's orchestrating the entire thing. Mm. Well put, very well put. And I totally agree with you. Totally. So on the vaccine issue, just switching gears, this, this has been one of the major concerns where I'm at. Why? Because I've been here for eight years. My whole life is here. I should have seen this coming. Why didn't I see this coming? Because I hadn't read Eleanor McBean's work. I hadn't realized the whole Spanish flu thing was a vaccine scam in all likelihood. And so I was never expecting that I'd go in to renew my visa or passport one day after building my whole life here and find out with the stroke of a pen, oh, we can't renew anything unless you go to one of our six doctors right? And get the injection, the test and all the rest of it. There won't be any, you know, I've got friends over here who have always been of the, they're like, ah, Jeff, you're, you're worried about nothing. You know, when something happens here, we buy our way out of it. Not this mm -hmm. time. This is, uh, this is just the feeling I get. And I'm the only one that's, that's saying this over here. Everyone else is like, Hey, you're, you're overreacting. I hope I am. But this is going to be attached to the computer chip in your passport. It won't be a stamp where you're going to renew your travel documents and they just stamp it so you could potentially talk to the person there. This is going to be all at one of their locations under their terms, I, I bet. Well, you know, I you agree. Think? And I've been saying this for several years now that it was just going to be a matter of time. And I didn't really... I didn't really know that what was, what was going to be the trigger was going to be some sort of a fabricated pandemic, but you know, mm -hmm. it was good, but it's, you know, I, with all, it started with me that it started to become extraordinarily clear. What was happening was in 2015 when, um, when California passed, you know, SB 277 and they lost their mm -hmm. right to refuse, they lost their philosophical exemption. 
And then, right. you know, then they came heavily after New York and they lost their religious exemption, which was really hard to get anyways. And then there was this big push in all these different states to pass these, uh, to revoke your right to refuse. So, you know, it's a fine line of whether you want to call that mandatory vaccination or you don't have a right to refuse because <laughs> it's the same thing. Right. And I've said right. for a long time now that, you know, we used to push this whole issue about informed consent. But informed consent is meaningless unless you have a right to refuse. I mean, it's almost like a passe phrase, you know, of, so it was like, like so 2000s or something, because you can be as informed mm -hmm. about vaccines as I am. You can know everything about the problems with vaccines spent your, you know, decades of your life studying it. But if I don't have a right to refuse, you, you can tell me it's, it's, it, how deadly it is all day long. And it doesn't matter if I have to take it anyways. Right. And so 2015, right. I started seeing that. The, and that was 2015 was when they introduced the adult vaccination plan. You know, in 2010, Bill Gates put up $10 billion in, into a pot of money to develop the decade of vaccines in conjunction with Healthy People 2020. And that was from 2010 to, to, to 2020. And in 2015, it was like they kind of went, oh, wow, we forgot the adults. Ugh, we need to do that and fast track this thing. And so they introduced this adult Ban uh, vaccination bill in 2015. And one of the tenets in there was to get one of the, the goals was to get adults to demand to be vaccinated. Yes. And, and so I, you know, and I've done a lot of presentations on that around that time. So several years ago, kind of like educating people about this whole thing with this adult vaccination plan, which is so I could see that coming. And then they were trying to pass all these bills. And I knew that sooner or later, they were going to float this mandatory vaccination stuff up to the federal level. They were going to take it out of the hands of the states, which is kind of hard to do because the states get, you know, belly up to the money trough to get all this money from, for vaccinating the people in their states. And so it's a big line item mm -hmm. dollar thing to get federal funding for Section 317 and, you know, all these different vaccinate, uh, was it a vaccinate? vaccinate the vaccine, vaccinate children fund and all that stuff. It all comes from federal dollars and gets siphoned down to the states. But I knew that the pharmaceutical companies that, you know, have the pockets filled of every congressman and, and senator in D.C., that sooner or later they would say, look, we got to ratchet this up to the federal level because every time this is happening in one of these states and all these parents show up with their vaccine injured kids and they have signs, and it just makes us look bad. It just makes us look bad. And so we, we, we can't do this in all 50 states. So three times now, the Vaccinate America's Children Plan has been floated up from the Democratic left. Uh, most recently, it had seven. The last time that they did it was about a year and a half ago. And they had 17 sponsors. I think all but one was a Democrat. And it never really got any traction to move forward. Well, could, th could this be it? Could this be because of the pandemic and because this has to be at a federal level and we have to do all of this testing? And like you said, that HR 6666 bill, which wants to put $100 billion of annualized funding year after year to hire people to test and quarantine and, and set up places where people can be, their kids can be isolated from their parents. I mean, seriously, this is going to the federal level unless we stop it, unless we get enough people to wake up and say, not only no, but hell no. Now we know why they, now we know why Trump declared all 50 states a disaster area. Why? Because when FEMA is in control, but from my understanding, you got all 50 states for the first time in history 
declared a disaster area, now uh, FEMA can do whatever they want. If you look through their, their list of powers, now everything else is just taught. State, federal, whatever rights you had, all out the window. Am, am I wrong about that or, <laughs> or is that um, accurate? I didn't know that, that Trump had declared all 50 states a disaster area, but I did know about the FEMA rules. And I did know that, you know, some of the things that FEMA was doing when I heard about it, it's like, what? FEMA, what? What are they doing? They're telling like the U.S. Right. Navy what to do. How does that work? <laughs> you know, and so and, mm -hmm. and now all of these things with these door to door testing things. I mean, it was supposed to start tomorrow in Washington state that they're enrolling the state National right. Guard and and they're going to go door to door and test everyone. And the governor who said, yes. um, you know, we have a if it's a small house and there's a mom, dad and three kids and they only have one bathroom and one person in that house gets tested positive, then the whole family has to be quarantined for 14 days. Or we can just remove that positive person and put them into, you know, controlled housing where people can check on them. What the heck does that look like? What right. is controlled housing? Is that a FEMA camp? Is that some sort of apartment building that they've set up? Is that like why they've emptied all the hospitals so now they can have these kids or these adults housed in like hospitals? I mean, it's it's like every day. Some, somebody says, how are you doing? And I go, I don't know. I just, every day you wake up in a different, in a different zone of the matrix. <laughs> it's the, it's the back. I can tell you what it looks like. It's the back of a blacked out windowed van with a loaded syringe oh. in it. You can bet on it. Well, I'm right. And yeah. the thing is, yeah, so so they called it the whatever that HR 6666 is. They call it the trace and track everyone bill. Now, to be fair, I mean, I for what this is worth, uh, my family is was I've got one family member who was in the FBI for many years. And he told me that ah, doesn't mean anything. This, they introduce these bills all the time. They're going nowhere. This is his his thought on it. My question is, if they're going no, nowhere, why are there four or five states already implementing it? If they're if they haven't got this hundred billion, how is it that they're already holding press conferences and knocking on doors? That's what I'm worried about. Well, isn't it written somewhere? I just was at a conference at the end in the end of February and I never I just didn't have the time to look this up to know if this is really true. But there's something about introduced bills that if they are if they're never passed and never moved forward after a period of time, and I don't remember what the period of time is, but after a period of time, it's not like they just expire and go away. It's like they can be considered to be implemented or signed into law. Do you, do you know anything about that? I don't, but it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't surprise hmm. me at all. I mean, when you read just the language of, for example, this HR 6666, it, it, what it all boils down to is they can make it mean and do whatever they want. Now, the, when I'm talking to this person yesterday who says, don't worry about it, right now, as we sit right now, that very well could be the case. It's like a census. They're going to come in with a soft approach and say, do you want to participate? They're going to have a list of questions, for example. You shut the door. Oh, okay. Glad that's over. Here's the thing. When they come and Jordan Maxwell, who I talked to a couple of weeks ago said, look for October. And he's getting this from an astrology guy that he talks to that is by, from his uh, frame of reference uh, point of view, very accurate about everything. And he's also accurate about the times. So he said, 
Watch what happens in October. What could happen then? I could definitely see them coming back with making good on something that Bill Gates is talking about. Pandemic 2 might take the place of some type of bioterror attack. So they could go after the food, the children, who knows what. That's when you're going to hear that knock on the door. And if you don't let them test you, they're coming back with the police. I, you know, I believe that's true. And I'm, I'm actually releasing an article, hopefully tomorrow, I'll get it done tonight or early tomorrow morning on, you know, COVID testing. What are, what are we doing and what does it really mean? Because it's absolutely just a mess <laughs> and they don't know. It's a mess. Yeah, you, they, you, I, they don't know what they're doing. Sure, they sure. started you, out with. Are you saying that if, are you saying that if a goat, a piece of fruit and a quail test positive, you don't have any confidence in the test? That sounds like conspiracy well, theory. Well, yes, and I will even go farther than that. I mean, they, the nasal swab is supposed to be better than the throat swab, which is a, not as specific as bronchial lavage and, and stool testing, and all of that was all mixed into like one pot in the beginning. And now they're talking about finger testing and specific antibody testing, which, the, by, and I spent five hours yesterday, believe it or not, five hours on the FDA website reading a lot of these various new things that they've just come up with. And, you know, looking, it's like, where is it in all of this antibody testing that they want to do that? If you have an IgG antibody, that means you're supposed to be immune. Really? Because they don't know if, if you've actually had this SARS-CoV-2 infection. If you develop an intrinsic antibody, just like if you had measles and you developed like an intrinsic antibody, you would have immunity, true immunity against measles like or chicken pox or the mumps going forward. Well, they don't know if that's true. They don't know if you get an antibody and you get re-exposed to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Does that protect you? Does it protect you from cross-reacting to the other four to seven, depending on how you count them, uh, coronaviruses that have been out there and in circulation for 60 years causing infection. In fact, coronaviruses as a, as a, as a, as a, as a class, as a family of viruses can cause upwards to 40% of influenza-like illness in any given year worldwide. And so maybe you had an influenza-like illness caused by a coronavirus five years ago and you recovered. So now you've got the IgG antibody to that virus. But when you get your finger tech, finger stick, which one is it? And does it cross react and does it do anything at all? Nobody seems to know. And so, and so it's like, um, and, and, and then I was reading a paper, one of the last ones that I read, it's like, when you get tested, the further away that you are from the first day that you have symptoms, the less, the less, positivity the test is going to be. So if I walked in today and I have a, I have a fever and I have, you know, a shortness of breath and tightness in my chest, if you test me today, the, uh, the likelihood of that, of that antibody being positive, the antibody being positive is almost zero because it takes two weeks for your body to develop the IgG antibody. So, but they're going to call that a false negative. Now, so that's going to be a false mm, yeah. negative because for all intents and purposes, clinically, I look like I have this infection, but the IgG antibody is going to be low. Yeah, well, sure. if it's within 10 days when the IgG antibody is supposed to come up, um, it's got something like a 57% chance still of being a, a false negative then because you didn't catch it in like the right window. And if you go out to like 30 days, it's like a 1% chance of being a corrected diagnosis. And so it's a mess. And yet they're going to allocate all these funds to have people go door to door to get a nasal swab or a throat swab from you and test you. What are they testing you for? 
I mean, what is it? What does it mean to be positive? What does it mean to be negative? What does it mean to be immune that we're supposed to get this little card that says that we're clean, it clean because if you don't have any antibodies at all, then they're going to say, oh, then you're either infected and you, are, you haven't really manifested the symptoms yet, or you've never been exposed. So now you're vulnerable and you need to remain in quarantine. Yeah, watch, watch. Here's what to watch for. When they come knocking on your door, I've got a friend in Ventura, and she, and she was one of these that that said, "Yeah, don't worry about it. It's 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 a nothing thing. You just you know you just uh, cooperate with it. It's like the census. So they're going to have you sign something. Look at the fine print, because they're what they want to do in what they want to do is get your consent so that you." are voluntarily letting them break the barrier between government and your body. That's more than likely what this soft first approach will be about. Then when there are, is an actual pandemic too of whatever they want it to be in October, when they come knocking on the door, they'll say, see, look here, you signed this, this, and this. So you need to let us in or we're coming back with the police. See, you were in on it. That's what this first, that's what this first knock on the door will be about. Well, I'm just, I'm just, it's just, it's just the decimation of America. Just, it's the ruinate, I mean, our economy, our, you know, the social distancing nonsense. I mean, when I first started hearing that, I remember I was standing in my office because I, I still see patients two, <laughs> two days a week and we were standing back in the kitchen and, and I've got a wide range of employees there that some are on the exact same page with me and some are like the scaredy cat antithesis of me. And they think that I'm just, you know, they like working for me, but they think I really do in my spare time will put on a tinfoil hat. You know? <laughs> and so, and so, um, and hmm. so I sure. said, don't you get the social distancing? They didn't say like, you know, physical distancing or physical cover your, cover, you know, just stand further <laughs> apart while this is going on. They didn't, they used, they coined the term social distancing, which has now become part of our um, common lexicon. It's part of our language. Sure. Yes. Yeah, that's it's, it's part of our, of our lexicon. Yeah. And it's the, you know, and I said, yeah. you know, humans are, are herd animals. They're like a pack of puppies. They like to like crawl all over each other and mm, high yeah. five and hug and kiss and smack each other in the back and go to like right. sports bars and all sit around and cheer on their team. And they're destroying all of that. And they're, yeah, and that's how you build your immunity too. That's how your immunity gets built too. Exchanging this, that, and the exactly. other with the and world around you. They're destroying, you know, our social so. fabric. They're destroying economies. They're taking away our money. And the next thing, they'll give you this little certificate that's a piece of paper that says, you know, you can travel. You can go on an airplane. You can go across state lines. Oh, but you might lose that. So let's just make it convenient. Put it on this little chip and put it in your hand. Or you might get to the airport and, you know, right. you've got your certificate, but you're in a hurry. And so you're standing in line with TSA and you left that little piece of paper in your car. Well, let's just make it easy for you. And oh, by the way, that dirty money, you know, we've been trying to make a money, a cashless society for a long time. Well, how appropriate. We'll just finally get rid of this money and we'll just put that in that little chip too. And the infrastructure is already out there. Even here in Cambodia, you know, <clears throat> Right after this thing happened, all the banks had their little little uh, thing that you sit on that says keep safe distance yep. all, on all the chairs. Right after this thing happened, the, all the little quickie marts and convenience shops had their where you swipe the card. It's like a little uh, thing you swipe the card in when, when you're not paying cash. 
and, and they have them all right up there in a row as if they're not going to take cash. So when they do take it away, that could very well be by the end of the year. The infrastructure is already set up for everything. See, that's what bothers me. And they've already had the checkpoints set up here. I've seen quarantine tents. The public, they can make all the noise they want. If the infrastructure is there, what are the odds that when they come to a checkpoint, you're going to have martyrs that are going to go against it? That's what concerns me because, uh, I, you know, you, you deal with enough people, you know how humanity is, is they get lazy quickly. They, they, they'll think, yeah, this is, we're getting back to normal here. And then if number two comes, pandemic two, I think that they'll just be all the more likely to go along with it because they don't want to deal with well, it. Well, I happen to, you know, be very Christian in my life. And I really do believe that, you know, end time prophecies are real things. And we're seeing it in real time, you know, when the, when the Bible talks about the mark yes. of the beast that you won't be able to buy, sell, trade, well, I would add travel and go to school and everything else unless you have this, this little tattoo that they're in. There's something like 19 different forms of these, um, like, tattooable type um, tracking devices that are out there. And, you know, the CDC has had long-term mm -hmm. tracking devices for vaccination things for a very long time. In fact, part of our boot camp course that we do, mm -hmm. that we offer twice a year, and the, final, and the final night of that, we actually walk people through the CDC website and show them um, the ways that they can get themselves extracted from that, that database. And I said, it's just, it's just like a... Um, mm. Um, it's just like a, a tattooed swastika on your deltoid, <laughs> only they're doing it electronically. And, you right. know, all of these things, like when you go to Walmart sure. or you go to Home Depot and you have to walk in the one door and you have to walk 50 feet down to go out the other door. But it's like, my car's at the other end. Doesn't matter. Just you know, in the little, in the little mm -hmm. Nazi guy and gal that's standing there with their, with their jacket on and their little mask, like telling you, you can't come out through this door. So I've just started like dropping little things like, you right. know, that's what this is how this all started in Hitler too. You were just following orders, just following orders. And I drop that right. seed and turn around and walk away right. and let them stand there and chew on it all day. The scary, man, the scary thing is there's no, especially when there's no jobs, it's not like you're going to run out of people that are willing to enforce whatever they're told. Yes. They see in California, I'm sure you saw this, that, you know, as soon as they trace, they they put up this um, for this, this these tracers to hire these these tracers to go from door to door to door. In right. the first two hours that they posted that, they had over seven thousand applicants for those jobs. Sure, sure, yeah, Mil military yeah. experience preferred because they're going to need to drag you out of your house. So, all right, so we're getting to forty five minutes here. I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time here. So. Let me ask you just, um, you mentioned Aspiro. You're thinking that we've got a window of six months. Of course, that could work both ways because the more, the harder that they have to push, the more they're exposed. It's like David Icke said, the cabal, whatever you want to call it, the demonic servants have walked into the door, shut it behind them and said, here we are. What are you going to do about it? So they're exposed now. Is it possible that they've it overreached? It could very well be. I mean, it, this is a high-risk game for them because um, it's a high-risk game, you know, because once they, you know, when they start saying things like, you know, we are now, we're, we've now exposed what the real deal is. I mean, citizen journalists have all figured it out. You go to that, 
that's intelligence.weforum.org site. You can see it in plain as day. And now all mm -hmm. the cards are being played. Everything is on the table for everybody to see. And there's, and I've long said, and I'm sure you have too, I mean, there's 330 million people in this country and there's 545 of them. And guess what? We've still got our guns. <laughs> so they've done everything they can to try to mm -hmm. negate that and take that away, but it hasn't happened yet, thankfully. You know, it's, 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 it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting, isn't it, that our four, forefathers from 200 years ago could kind of see this coming? Have you thought about what you're going to do personally when they, it, let's say it just becomes clearly obvious that they're not going to stop. Enough people went along with it. They're going to go quadrant by quadrant with military or police backup. <clears throat> and they're going to come knocking on your door with a test. You cannot allow them to take, have you decided what well, you're going to do I at that point? All I know is that I'm, I'm not going to fold. I'm not going to roll over and say yes, because I really mm -hmm. believe that, I, like I said, I believe in end time biblical prophecy, and I think that there'll be a lot of Christians and, and good people that'll just go along with it. They'll just get the mark, and it's, well, it's not going to be me, and it's not going to be me. Without I'd rather be it. dead. You know, it's really not, you know, I've, I've long, as long as I've done this vaccine work, I've always said that the, the, the real reason that I'm doing this is this is God's calling on my heart, on my head and my heart. And, you know, we're all going to die someday. Nobody's going to get right. out of here alive. And so I want to be able to stand in front of my mm -hmm. maker and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You stayed the course, even when the road got really tough. And so it's, and so that's what we're trying to do is to wake up enough people to the, the travesty of what's going on here. And I, I kind of look at it as like a, like a bell curve, right? And if you split the bell curve right at the, at the highest peak, that 50% mark, our real, you know, our real target market for our message of getting people to stand up, stand strong, get involved, you know, be the first follower, you know, that, that shirtless dancing guy video, that three minute video. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen that. I've watched a couple, a couple dozen times. <laughs> Every time I need some inspiration, yes, yes. I go watch that video and, you know, go be the first follower. Sure. I, I was talking, I do an Instagram live every, every Monday morning. And, and I was telling my peeps this morning, I said, you know, mm -hmm. when you're walking into Walmart or you walk into uh, Home Depot and there's somebody that's defiantly not wearing a mask, rip your mask off and go over and stand next to him. Be the first follower. Say, I'm here with you, brother. I'm doing this. There's no way that, that we're going to do this. That's the thing. If you're in a room full of 20 people or 30 people and nobody's saying anything about the fact that the whole thing is a scam, if you said something, just the fact that you say something, you didn't, if you don't, you don't know that there might be 10 or 15 other people in that room that agree with you. But if you That's never say anything, you'll follow, never know. That, that, that video, the, for all your listeners that don't know what we're talking about, if you go out to YouTube and you put in the search shirtless dancing guy, and it's had almost 5 million views, <laughs> and it's a three minute video, it's under three minutes. Mm. And it starts out by saying, this is how you start a movement in under three minutes. It's, it's really well done. And, you know, there's this crazy guy out there. There's, there's, oh, it, it, it's obviously at like a concert, an outdoor concert. And there's all these people sitting up in the hill. And this one guy, this one lone guy goes out and starts dancing like really crazy and jumping up and down all this stuff. And he's like the crazy guy. He's like, <laughs> everybody's watching like there's that crazy guy. And he's kind of like the leader, but that power isn't in the leader. Because after he's dancing and really acting stupid and stuff for a while, the one guy, one guy runs out and starts dancing with him. That one guy that runs out is the first follower. 
And that is the most important person in the movement because he's willing to take the risk to go stand next to the crazy guy. And then when he's, the two of them are like dancing right. and dancing, then a third guy comes and, and they're all just dancing, just dancing crazy stuff. And then after that, the whole crowd sort of sees that, hey, this could be fun. And at the end of this little video, everybody's running down off the hill to go dance with them. And so the moral of this whole thing is that the most important person when starting a movement isn't the leader, isn't the crazy guy, isn't the guy with the tinfoil hat. It's the first follower. It's the first follower that breaks the ice and allows other people to say, hey, I could go do that too. So being the first follower is so important. And, and, and then being even the third one, it's like, yeah, I'm coming with you guys. And so. And I have seen that exact scenario play out before J.J. Kale died. I saw him play live in Portland and I saw that exact scenario play out because in Portland, some of the concerts are in almost like a play auditorium. So people are sitting side by side in, uh, in chairs. It doesn't really lend itself to people getting up and dancing, but at, at JJ Kale's last concert. So one crazy guy got up there and just started going nuts. And then the next person came and then within five minutes, pretty much yeah. half the auditorium was up by the right. stage. And I've so seen that, it happen in real life. And I've watched that, that video and I've used that video sometimes to start meetings. I've used it sometimes, you know, in presentations about how do you, how do you give up the fear? You know, like that first follower had to give up the fear of what, pe what people might say or what would people think or, you know, what are, you know, what's good, what are people going to say about me? Like going out here with this dancing guy. It's like, he didn't care. I mean, it was like, I'm going to go do this and whatever the this is. And I think it, at this point in time, this critical juncture in history, this is standing up and saying, no, letting go of the fear stop being so submissive. And that when right. I was telling you about that bell curve, where our target audience mm -hmm. is, is somewhere between the 50th percent and the 75 percent, that side of the bell curve, because, you know, the, the mm -hmm. 75 to 100 percent, they're already the already converted. They get it. There's preaching. To, they're the preaching to the choir people and the zero to 25 percent on the opposite side of the bell curve. They're never going to change no matter what. Just like let them go. There's nothing that you could ever. I mean, Jesus could walk on the water right in front of him and right. they think it was a scam. I mean, there's like no way. Right. And then the 25 to 50 percenters, <laughs> sure. you know, back in the day when we had time to nurture them and slowly bring them along and feed them little bits of information, you could probably bring them forward. We don't have time for that right now. It's, it, we, we as a, as a, as a, as a country, as leaders, as a country, as a world, I, I'm really sorry, but you, you've had your opportunity. And sometimes I feel like I've said this on radio a couple of times. Sometimes I feel like the last 20 years I've been like Noah. I've been saying it's going to rain. I'm telling you guys, it's coming. It's going to rain. It really is going to rain. That's why I'm building this crazy ship. You should really like get around there. And everybody's like, yeah, well, whatever. And now that not only has it been raining, but the ark is starting to float and the doors starting to close, then all these people are going, what can I do? What can I do? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. I don't know. You still got, you, there's still time, but time is limited. And so people have to get into the mode of taking action now. We don't have the luxury of time anymore to try to save as many as we can. So here's, here's the last question. And then I'll let you go here. So, is there, I've got people on Twitter asking me, is there a simple way I, I've ordered Dr. Rima's do not consent card. So I've got that in my pocket. Is there a way 
or something people can say, like, I don't consent a simple way to opt out of a vaccine if they come at you with it or opt out of a test um, for that matter? I don't know that there's any correct answer to that because it's not been tested yet. I mean, I've, I've known Rima for decades mm -hmm. and actually spent some time with her in Chile a couple years ago. And, and that was about the time that they were developing that card. And I have the card in my wallet too. Does it, is it going to hold up? I don't know. It's never been tested, you know, on my, on my Instagram right. live this morning. And mm -hmm. anybody wants to join me on Instagram live, it's, it's just Dr. Tenpenny, D-R- T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, Dr. Tenpenny. Twitter is busy Dr. T, busy D-R-T is on Twitter. And we're pretty active on social media, um, on, particularly on Twitter and Instagram. And people were saying, you know, they said, we need T-shirts that say no test, no vaccine, um, no mask, no gloves. And, you know, and, and we probably need to start some sort of a movement like that or, you know, because until those things are actually tested, and do we still have some level of informed consent where you can say, I do not consent? Or are they just going to say, okay, fine, and slap the handcuffs on you and haul you off somewhere? I mean, well, that's right. We, we don't know yet. Yep. We don't know yet. I've got a friend, I've got a friend that she, her, her husband flew from Louisiana to Florida last week. And when the plane landed, she said they, they handed everybody on the plane something to sign. She sent me a copy of it. And it basically says they've got the right to quarantine and vaccinate and do whatever they want with you. It's right there in black and white. You wow. and everybody signed it on the plane. So they're, yeah, they're, they're rolling out this infrastructure and they're that it's going to take martyrs to turn it well, around. That or complete, you know, complete civil unrest. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can do something like nonviolent right. civil disobedience. Like I said, whip off your mask and go be the first follower. Go stand next to somebody and say, I'm standing with you. And then the third guy will show up. Or they'll back off or because there are people, there are people like yourself out there in Rima and a slew of people that, uh, that have been following you for a while, or they'll back off of the, it's mandatory for everybody. They'll back off of that. But the, that's yeah. the cornerstone of what they're going for. It's hard to see them saying, well, oh, Bill okay, Gates we back says off that we, now. He wants to wrap up the 7.7 billion vaccines. And he's like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe we need like 15 because they're going to need two of these because that's their protocol, right? And then, and then they and then to hear, you know, sure, President it'll be, it'll be a program. Trump sign this, uh, this Operation Warp Speed and saying we're going to have 300 million vaccines here as fast as we can, which means every <laughs> man, woman, and child in the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's yep. I, I don't know. Yep. I, I try to, you know, I try to stay on the, on the, I tend to be a glasses half full type of person and I tend to like to take lemons and make lemonade. And, and the only way that I can keep doing that is every time I get too wigged out about the, the reality of what's going on, I just sit back and I go, okay, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Like, shut up in your head. And no, this, this wasn't a big surprise mm -hmm. to God. It wasn't sure. no big surprise. He knew it was coming. And so what can we do to fight this spiritual warfare? I mean, one of the things, and I'll you know, say with this, is that if you're going to make lemon, take lemons and make lemonade, I mean, what good thing can come out of this? Well, for one thing, you can get your physical house in order, right? You can clean out that closet and get rid of your old expired food and, you know, get dig into things that you've always wanted to do, but you never had the time to do, like maybe do genealogy or learn how to can or you know, learn how to knit or something, right? 
take this time and, and, and get your physical body in order. You're not having to get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to the gym before you go to work. So sleep in, get some extra rest, eat better food, drink more water, you know, get rid of all the junk in your house and decide that you're going to get a new freezer and fill it up because food is going to be really expensive this year. And then the third and most importantly is get your spiritual house in order. I mean, get real with God. You know, that's when the going gets really, really tough and your faith gets really tested, you better be prepared for it. You better be in the, in the place of where it needs to be. And so um, that's kind of what we can, we can do and be a first follower, be a first follower, get out there and be brave, be brave. I think that what people need more than anything right now, Jeff, from us and people that do these kinds of things is the encouragement to, to is the encouragement to have courage you know, have courage, have the heart of the lion. Think about, you know, the Wizard of Oz. You know, you want to have that heart of the lion to stand in the gap and to stand up against these powers and principalities of evil and darkness, because it's really what it is. Very well said. Thanks for your time, Dr. Sherry. Anytime you want to vent and come back, just send me a message on Twitter and we'll make the time. I really very much appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. I appreciate and it. And have Take a good care. evening there. Uh-huh.